I greet you all in the wondrous and mighty name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What a week it's been. In fact, what a, what a year it's been for NIM. But we continue to praise God through the good, the bad, the challenging, the awe-inspiring, because he is faithful through it all. And um, I wonder if somebody will just say amen <laughs> to the fact that we know today that his faithfulness endures forever. Amen. Thank you. I normally have a PowerPoint, but as I'm sharing today, I thought I'd go back to basics. So I'm, I'm going to do it the Clive and the Missy way, and I'm going to look you all in the faces today as as you also get the opportunity to watch my um, my big nose and my big langalunga ears for the next half hour. My sharing with you all this evening is found in one of the passages we read earlier, John chapter 6. And the story is a well-known one, and one found in all four Gospels, in fact. And you may turn your Bibles there and remain there as I share today. And today I just wanted to to share and encourage you to let the Lord make it enough. If you have someone nearby, if you have someone sitting next to you, please turn to them and tell them, let the Lord make it enough. In the preceding chapters, we see that Jesus and his disciples with him had been teaching and, and, they were, and he was performing miracles. In John chapter 5, I believe, is the inspiration for the iconic Punyalava song, Tailenga uh, Petesa, where he healed a man at the at the pool in, in Bethesda. And so he's been busy. He's been busy at work in the ministry. And it doesn't say it in John's account, funnily enough, but in the other gospels, such as in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, we see that Jesus had actually asked his disciples to come away from the crowds. Come away from the crowds and rest a while and find something to eat. But we see soon after that, although they had retreated away from the crowds, the crowds followed them where they went. And I wonder today how many of you know what it's like to be drained, and at the end of the day, you retreat into your own corner of the world, but whatever or whoever it is that you were retreating from followed you there. And I believe we're living in an era of unprecedented access. News and information from across the globe at the touch at the touch of your fingers and vice versa, the ability of people to access information and, and news and narratives about you, it's easier now than ever before. When dad took a trip down to uh, Auckland Hospital's presidential suite, also known as the intensive care unit this past week, I didn't tell anyone except Nem and uh, his siblings that night. But the very next day, I had people that I hadn't heard from in months getting in touch with me again. You no longer have to be physically present or stationed somewhere in particular in order to be bombarded and influenced and affected. Just as you have unprecedented access to others, they have unprecedented access to you. And I wonder if anyone knows what it's like to try and avoid, try and retreat from these things, but they follow you and they hound at you. Have you ever felt drained, but you just couldn't switch off? You just couldn't switch off that tap so that you can save the little bit you had in the tank. 
And Jesus and the disciples, I found they went away seeking a quiet place to rest, but the crowds actually followed and pursued them there. That's what the word says. And we learn in Mark's account that Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them, describing them as like sheep without a shepherd. But the disciples, on the other hand, they seem to take on a very old school Niwayan approach to things. And they urged Jesus at the end of the day to send the crowds away to go and find their own food to eat because it was getting late. And that's what we that's what I felt when I read this this portion of scripture. And we see these little snippets in, in the other three accounts, but John goes even further and tells us that Jesus actually asked Philip, where can we buy some food to feed them? And interestingly enough, John says that Jesus asked this already knowing what he was going to do about it. I wonder if I can get a show of hands if you have a spouse or a parent that asks for your opinion when they've already made up their minds. I see a majority. <laughs> it, it was almost as if though he were testing Philip and the disciples. And we see that Philip responds in much the same way that you and I tend to respond to the dilemmas of our own lives. We try and respond in a material manner, a, a, a financial, a logical, a, a mathematical, uh, um, uh, a matter-of-factical kind of way. That's a new word. And Philip says to Jesus, we only have 200 denarii. And it's a situation we've all found ourselves in where we say, I only have so much in, in, in my account. I've only got so much in the bank. There's not enough. But Andrew cuts into the conversation here whilst Jesus was inquiring on the state of affairs. And he says, actually, there's a lad here, a little boy. And he has five loaves and two fish. But he also says that it's not going to be of much use to them to feed so many people. And I always recall a prominent American preacher I was listening to when he said once, you know things are getting desperate when you're eyeing up a schoolboy's lunch. And all the multitudes of people that were there, none of them packed any lunch. There was only five loaves of bread and two fish among the crowd. And we see that they were actually barley loaves. Barley was cheap, and it was often used to feed the animals at that time. So, so we're not talking about the expensive um, Vogels and Bergen bread that, that Falcon and Pastatale and them eat. Um, this is the mighty fresh, the essentials, the, the, the budget loaves that, that you'll find at my house. And while the others use the general Greek term for fish, John actually goes further and uses another word that portrays just how small these two fish really were. Yet Jesus still takes this measly meal, and we know from our reading earlier that he commands the crowds to be seated and they do so in ranks. And I thought that was incredible. We see structure and order there. 
And Jesus blesses the five loaves and the two fish, and they distributed the food until it says every single one of them was filled and full. And and this goes to the essence of what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you all today. See, the, the things we're experiencing today are unique in many ways. And I feel that we're constantly finding ourselves in a state of, of, of being overwhelmed, overloaded, or just over it in general. This pandemic is, is more than just a, a flu-like virus. It's a pandemic of fear and stress. And, and we just, we don't know if it's safe to touch that door handle anymore. We don't know if that, that stranger sneeze was a, a symptom of the virus or, or, or if he just trimmed his nose hairs this morning and caught a whiff of dust. We just don't know sometimes. And then there's that nervousness and stress, not knowing where the next paycheck will come from because we're no longer living self-sufficient lives or not knowing if, if your job will be there next year, but you've got big plans, not knowing whether the government with their legal jargon committed to law is really about looking after you. And in many ways, I'm sad for my children, for our children. There are so many opinions and influences out there, easily accessible. And it tells them that, that, that this makes you look too fat. If you don't have this, you ain't it. If you aren't on MTV, then you haven't made it as a musician. And, and the, the many contradicting voices there are in the world today, they just don't know who to believe. And they don't even know that they're being overloaded and it's manifesting in many different ways. And it comes through in, 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 in weight gains and digestive problems and in, in, in insomnia, insecurity, depression, whatever you want to call it. I wonder if any of us are brave enough to raise our hands. If you know that the devil is alive and he seeks to bombard you and distract you and stress you out. Growing up in Niue, the news came on once a day and there was no TV Sorry, I, I'm talking like I'm 80 years old. I'm only 20. The news came on once a day. And there was no TV in the day. And when the news did come on, it wasn't even live. BCN recorded the 6 p.m. New Zealand news at 7 p.m. New York time. And then they replayed it to us an hour later after it had finished recording. So we were getting the 6 p.m. news at 8 p.m. really. And you wonder why we were always late to everything. Or we were always the last to know. But now you have access to the news at any minute of, of any day with, with the touch of a screen. Now you don't need to be sitting by the landline in order to have a channel of communication with others. You have the ability. You have that ability virtually anywhere. But I remember when you couldn't get hold of people because you had all you had anywhere was was, was a four-digit landline number to call, and it was ineffective when they weren't physically nearby. Today, I, I, I sit, um, I call it my throne room. I sit on my throne with my, my phone in my hand, but I remember my poor grandmother had to run in from under the breadfruit tree or wherever she was just to pick up the phone out the front whenever it rang. And it really... <laughs> It really was like a, a telephone to glory in many ways. It was like the line was connected directly 
into the clouds because when it rained, you couldn't hear the other person on the other side. All you could hear, if you could hear anything at all, was the rain. I guess I'm trying to tell you that sometimes we just need a break. We need a, we, we need a moment of stillness in order to hear God. And that's becoming harder and harder. And as you try and make sense of everything around you, as Nem tried to make sense of everything around us this week, and as you try to cope with whatever you're going through and whatever you're feeling inside, sometimes you realize it just drains your battery life even more. And maybe you're feeling overwhelmed by the circumstances, so much so that you feel your peace has been robbed your chest is heavy and you don't know how to even ask for help anymore. Maybe you're just tired, tired of work. How many of you are tired of work? Maybe you're tired of work, you're, you're tired of the criticism, you're tired of the expectations. You're tired of, of, of friends, of families, of kids. <laughs> and it's not that you don't love them. You're just tired and you don't know how to be the best that you can be in those circumstances. Maybe it's the routines. Maybe it's the travel. Maybe it's all your appointments, the, the consultations, the questions, the criticisms, the back and forth, the to and fro, the constant attacks of the enemy. And maybe some of us, get to that breaking point sometimes and maybe some of us are just over it all now if you don't feel like you've got enough in the tank anymore whether it's physical and mental strength whether it's patient and long-suffering whether it's peace and hope that you're lacking today and you feel like you don't have enough the encouragement I have for you today is that Jesus can and will take the little that you have and multiply it until it is enough. Amen. When Saul heaped his armory on David, as we read before, and as he prepared to go up against Goliath, David said it was too heavy. And sometimes the worldly solutions often just add weight upon us. And David took it all off and went down to the brook, and he took just five small stones. Five small stones was all it took, because David knew it wasn't about the size of the stones that he had. It was about the power of the Lord in whose name he was going out in. And God loves to use our weakness and our insufficiency, because he and his grace is sufficient for us. He used a small stone to slay a mighty giant. A handful of flour and oil sustained life for the entire duration of the drought and famine. And as we read, it did not run out. I'm sorry, I'm not here tonight to provide some in-depth study of the, the numerology or, or the theology or any of the other ologies we may have been used to. I just read John chapter 6 the other day, and my heart was filled. And I thought maybe, just maybe someone else might find the same here today. 
toke mangaloro mena noa hau he puha. Toke lima seau e makamore mori. It doesn't matter to the miracle working, life giving, giant slaying, almighty God in whose name we have gathered tonight. You might not feel like you've got enough. You might not think very much of the little talent, the little strength, the little bit of whatever you've got still left. But Jesus can and he will take the little you have and multiply it if you give it to him. He can and he will supply your needs through to the very end. He can and he will use the insignificant stones you've got to slay the enemy. He only needs you to give him your five loaves and two fish today. And we see in the scripture, actually, that when they gave Jesus the little food that was there, he didn't just make it enough. He multiplied it so that they had baskets of leftovers. Because raise your hand in thanksgiving if you know today that the God we serve can and does give us more than enough. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for your patience. I didn't time my sermon today. It's not really a sermon. I just wanted to share what was laid on my heart. And I pray that someone in some way has been blessed this evening. Um, and on behalf of my wife and our children, I just wanted to, to say thank you to you all who have been praying alongside us as well. And I wanted to say that we love you all with the love of Jesus. God bless you all. And if you'll let me, I just want to take just, just 20 seconds to say a, a quick word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for the people that you have drawn to be here today. I praise you. I praise you because I know that you are worthy. And I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity you've given today to be used by you in some small way. And I don't just say that for me, but I say that for everyone here. Father, I pray that what you have given and laid on my heart to share today maybe a blessing to somebody. I pray, Father, that whoever it is, as they depart from this place today, I pray that they know that you are a more than enough God. I pray that they know that you will multiply what little they have until it is more than enough. I pray, Father, that we all know and we are all departing from this place at some point tonight knowing that you are a living God, that you are mighty to save, and that, Lord, we know in our heart of hearts that you love us and your only desire is to give us life and life in abundance. I commit every word spoken, I commit every heart, every ear, every eye that has seen and heard tonight, Father God, to you, and I uplift every single person here tonight to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.